when I see things overall, uh, being a mom is the most difficult thing I have ever done. <laughs> it's not the PhD, it's not the dissertation, it's not anything. It's just being a mom. <laughs> yeah. That is Dr. Lisbeth Iglesias Rios. She is a fellow here, and she is talking today to Dr. Valerisa Jogatti about what it means to be a mother and a health researcher. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Change and Environmental Justice podcast, a partnership between Environmental Health News and Columbia University Mailman School of Public Health. I'm, of course, Brian Benkowski. I'm here with you every two weeks, senior editor at Environmental Health News and the editor of Agents of Change. As I mentioned, fellows Dr. Valerisa Jogatti and Dr. Lizbeth Iglesias Rios have taken over today's podcast. They talk about how motherhood changed their approach to research and their profession, and in turn, how their careers in environmental health may be shaping their children. And after they talk, stay tuned for what might be the cutest conversation we've had on this podcast when Lizbeth's son Alex talks about his relationship to and thoughts on the environment. I think the future is in good hands after hearing Alex talk. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Agents of Change in Environmental Justice podcast. I'm Valerisa Gaddy, and I'm joined by uh, my colleague, Lizbeth. I'm Lisbeth Iglesias. I'm, I'm a research investigator. I just moved into a new position at the University of Michigan. In, I'm at the School of Public Health at the Department of Epidemiology. And um, I am a, um, ending my postdoc here at the University of Arizona, and I am um, going into extension in uh um, looking at assistant professorships and looking at, uh, and I do more water quality and uh, working with tribal farmers. Talking a little bit more about uh, our our children, uh, one of the things that we, other than uh, our research of agriculture that we have in common is that we both have sons. So <clears throat> can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your children the name of my son is Alex, and he's in second grade. Um, he's very curious, I think very playful, and very he's a very observant boy. Um, he's learning how to swim and taking piano lessons. Um, he loves building things, work with Legos. Um, how about your samba? Uh, my son is three and a half. <laughs> And it's very important because he does tell you that he's three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> My son do that. Yeah. Um, he, the house are important. Yes. <laughs> uh, he, um, he, he's in preschool right now. Um, he absolutely loves the Ghostbusters. Uh, oh. But only the 1982 version, not the newer mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> Um, yeah. he, he likes the music or the the movie or both. Um, both. <laughs> yeah, his favorite character is Peter Vinkman. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he is very quiet and he's um, very you know sh- he's kind of a shy kid, but but mm-hmm. overall he's he's 
He's like a really funny dude when you really get to know him and talk to him. And everyone just enjoys him. Um, yeah, but he's he's very. Uh, you're so funny. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit about Ethan. Oh, he's in. Um, he does swimming as well, and um, mm-hmm. right now he is uh, basically just learning how to speak efficiently <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, because right now he's he's just talking and uh when he talks he talks about the weirdest things but he's he's a funny kid <laughs> is he learning your language too like uh, an indigenous language yeah 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 um my husband is fluent in navajo i'm not so my husband has kind of taken on that role where he he does speak to him um and i think that that's why his sentence structure is a little different because Navajo is different. So um, uh, working on both English and Navajo can be a bit of a challenge. Um, how about your son? He, We speak Spanish. Uh, when he was tiny, like three years old, he was fluent in Spanish. Uh, since they started in school, things have changed. And I guess all his play and his friends speak only English, so that's his new word. But in, at home, we I speak to him in Spanish, and he understands. He just doesn't speak speak back to me in Spanish. <laughs> but we read in Spanish still, and I want him, you know, to learn uh, my language. <laughs> How has been the journey for you and having a kid? I had Ethan at the my last year of my PhD. So right in the middle of dissertation writing, it it was uh it was a struggle. Um plus Ethan was born um he was born prematurely. He was born ten almost eleven weeks early. Um so I had to put my my dissertation on hold and um you know essentially be in the, the NICU with him the entire time. Uh, for about, I think we were in the NICU for 60 days, and um, he came home on oxygen. So it was, it was a, it was a change from you know doing my PhD. I, the only thing I had to worry about essentially was myself. But now then I had at the last you know, the last and the the, the final part of my PhD, and then I was. Uh, tasked with raising this little boy as well, um, who was, who was, um, had some health challenges and, and, and so it was a lot of late nights writing and trying to figure out how to take balance those two. I did a lot of my, um, dissertation in the NICU, um, sitting there reading, reading to him water quality mag or not articles and stuff he doesn't he didn't know I mean as long as I was talking to him how about you when did you have your son were you in school yes I have a similar story than you I I was taking my my comps my comprehensive examination for my doctoral program so the worst time (laughs) a lot of stress uh to prepare for the exam Uh, he was born right after I took the exam and, you know, to be honest, I, my son also was born with some medical issues that we find out later on. And it was very challenging uh, to sort of manage, um, you know, right away working on the dissertation and 
and all that jazz, all his medical issues, it was very, very stressful, very difficult. And now that I see things back, I'm kind of regretting not enjoying more my pregnancy. And when that moment, you know, when he was born, instead of dedicating me, I, I was there for him, but, you know, I was always very stressed out. Um, always thinking about, I need to do this. I need to, <laughs> you know, the next step in, in school. And um, I think it was, it was a very challenging time. And I think my big learning lesson is that these events um, just come around once and it's important to pause. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, I feel like a big contributing factor to why, you know, my son was born early was that I put so much pressure on myself and try to get my PhD done and try to do all this, try to do everything, but my body really couldn't take it. So, Me too. I think it's very tough when you are becoming a mom and at the same time you're trying to push yourself in finishing your, advance your career. So how's your day-to-day in in your household with your son? Uh, now it's it's really chaotic. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> because I have he, uh, he's a toddler now, so he's running around talking, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to school. So it's like trying to manage, you know lunches in the morning, school, picking him up, dropping him off, um, trying to work in between there, trying to get everything done. And like you said, like trying to advance my career as well. Um, and on top of that, we have a a geriatric cat that, um, is blind. So (laughs) he just recently went blind. So he's adjusting and bumping into a lot of things right now Mm -hmm. so and it's not very helpful that my son likes to tease him now that he's blind (laughs) so (laughs) um, but but otherwise I I feel like we're trying to that that work-life balance is really um hard to maintain I feel like it's it's I, I try to be present in the moment but then there's just some things like you know grants or um you know, papers or something, something of that is always like looming and coming up or there's a deadline that you have to get to. So you just feel like you have to, um, you know, you know, sacrifice that family time to write this thing so you can continue on with your education. But how about your, I mean, your son's a little bit older, but I'm pretty sure you still. Yeah, I totally identify myself with what you are mentioning because I think we're on the same boat. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is that he's more independent now, that he's eight. Um, but life continues to be very busy. He is in different activities after school. Uh, I mean, I enjoy doing all those things with my son and 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 mostly see seeing him absorb new experiences, knowledge. Uh, that's a lot of fun. But yes, it's true. It's very difficult to have that balance i don't know how people do that i mean it's 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 always something and and i think you you, one needs to be very what is the word very purposeful is that the word to 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 set limits and say now it's time for my family or now it's time for my kid otherwise um 
things never happen. <laughs> so um, um, this summer, I, I we just built uh, some garden boxes, and I'm very excited to work on my garden and have veggies and have that time with my kids. Yeah. Uh, Is he interested in a lot of the growing and... Uh, I think he is. Yeah. We haven't done anything because I moved to this house. Uh, it's going to be two years, but the house is an old house from 1945 with a lot of things that were not in good shape. So little by little, you know, every year I'm doing some repairs, um, and so I'm trying to push him to be more outdoorsy and 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 work with the the soil and you know, like grow our own vegetables and things like that. And it's very tough, to be honest. I was working, shoveling all the the soil and it was a lot of work, but I'm very excited. So nothing really prepares, you know, us for the challenges that, and the changes essentially that come with raising um, your child. So, um, so, so much of your changes, uh, so much of yourself changes. So how... Did your kids change your perspective on your research and your work? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. <laughs> um, I think for me it was the whole combo of things before, during, and after having my son. Uh, but I think um, during my dissertation, I was working on the topic of labor trafficking. And I guess while I was working on my dissertation and you know, doing all the literature review and doing the analysis, just digesting the global implications of labor trafficking and exploitation, including children, was critical uh, to inform my current work and think about my kid, the, the position of my kid in this world and other kids, no, other children. How about you? Um, I feel like my, my direction has changed a little in that... Um, before I used to be very um, in the lab and more like did a lot of more bench work. And now I'm doing a lot more, I feel like social behavior work um, in the sense that I now try to do more in science communication and um, more, um, you know, making sure that everyone can understand uh you know, water quality and why it's important and, you know, agriculture and why that's important. Um, you know, everyone is so quick to blame the agricultural industry for water use here in the Southwest. Um, I mean, it does use 70% of the Colorado River. However, that is, you know, we need that for food. <laughs> it, it, it feeds, it feeds, it, 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 it is grown into food. It is grown um, for, you know, cows that produce milk and, you know, beef and cheese. And there's just so many other factors that um, I felt like after I had my son, um, I did have to re-examine how much I wanted to be in the lab. And um, so I think it was a little bit helpful with COVID in some aspects, when we were able to transition more into staying at home, that I was able to um, do a little bit more of these, uh, um, the tra- like science translation and policy translation, and making sure that that was um, something that uh, everyone can understand. So, um, yeah, it has changed a little. 
Um, I still doing a lot of microbial stuff, but I'm, I am taking that, the microbial sciences and using my expertise in that and making sure that everyone understands how to, how that is applied to, um, water quality and agriculture and many different avenues of life. Do you want to say in academia how? Yeah, I, I, I think I am planning on staying in academia, um, right now. I know that um, that for me, it has been very helpful to be in academia because I have had the the pleasure of working um, a little bit more on my own time. Um, so, um, so being able to uh, you know have that uh, me able to you know rearrange my schedule to make sure that I'm at at an event that for my son is a little bit, um, is something that I really like a part of academia. I agree. I, I, I relate with you. I, I have that flexibility. Um, and, and, and some days, you know, things happen and maybe you want to work on doing the weekend and that's going to work for you. But as long as you move on, I think that's, that flexibility is precious. I think it's very, that freedom in a way is very important when when you have kids. Um, the the only thing that worries me to be honest about academia is the the difficulties. The academia is very complex system <laughs> and I see sometimes be very few tenure positions and um, it's very difficult to get there. And and then I one of the things that I dislike is is I would like to the, in academia to have more integration of community work and not just, you know, like publications, like based merit on publications and not in the work that one is doing or developing with communities. So I was going to ask you now that we're talking about this, how do you see your work influence your parenting? So I... I guess for me, I try to be uh, more environmentally friendly. So I noticed that with my with my son, he is very aware of that in the sense that um, he he when he was at school and he saw that someone turned on the hose and left it on, he like ran over there and tried to turn it off himself. And then he had to have a teacher come and help him turn it off. And he's like, "No water running." <laughs> And yeah, and I, I thought it was important, but um, but I I can see that my 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 work has influenced him in the sense that he is a much more aware of water and um, you know his access to water. He is a lot he's a lot more water conscious than I was when I was his age. How about how about your son? Um, I think my work is some, is some uh, I guess, precarious employment and labor exploitation. So I think one of the things that I value most is to be able to raise him in a more uh, empathetic way, you know, to someone that cares about people and the world, the world that surrounds him. Um, I guess I try to show him to be grateful and value his interactions with others and think about the impact of our actions in the environment. 
um, I think, as you mentioned, the, the kids just absorb <laughs> some ways it comes out and they, they, they absorb that from us. And I was going to ask you, are your, key, are your son uh, more aware of environmental injustices than you were uh, as a kid? It does. I feel like it does kind of take like a mental toll on him. I mean, he's only three, but he's already, you know, um, lived through this drought that we're having down here and um, like wildfires and uh, COVID. <laughs> and and one of the things I noticed, too, is that like during COVID, um, we were very uh, the Navajo Nation got hit pretty hard and um, we were very careful and making sure that my my parents and my husband's parents were OK since they still reside there. Um, but my son is still very cautious about that. Even when we go visit them now, um, he's like make sure to wash your hands because that's, that's what we were saying to him the entire time was like, make sure to wash your hands. We don't want to get, make grandma and grandpa sick, you know? So now he is very, uh, he washes his hands and I don't want to, you know, he's more aware, but also I don't want to make him worry all the time. How about your son? I mean, he's a little bit older, so. But I don't know if Alex is more, Aware, I think it's different. I grew up in Mexico City, which is among the most polluted cities in the world. And I do remember being very aware um, of discussions at school about air pollution because we live through that. You know, like we have a day that you cannot use the car and the cars have stickers like the yellow car circulates this day and then the blue one and things like that. Uh, noise pollution, water contamination, uh, there's also restrictions of provision of water in the city. And it's now my father is still living in Mexico City, so now it's worse. Um, so I, I remember feeling as a kid very impotent when facing these environmental issues. And I remember also appreci appreciating um, green spaces and the parks. Um, uh, for Alex, I think it's different. I think it's... He's aware, but at the same time, we, you know, we live in Michigan. We see the rivers. Like, I didn't have that <laughs> when I was a kid. So I think it's a little bit different. But he hears, you know, stories about the chemicals and the PFAS, you know, like that comes to his mind. Uh, and, I'm, and I agree with you. You want them to be conscious and aware, but you don't want to create anxiety uh, uh, when facing these issues. But I just wish um, that I can influence and guide him in the, in the, in the most positive way and, and, and that he will become a man that is conscious about people. And, and, and I, I think that's what I want him to be, more empathetic, more, uh, you know, learning how to work in solidarity with others. I think that's very important. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I echo all those uh, those thoughts as well. But I also really want to make sure that um, my son Ethan is very, uh, looks at the whole picture and sees that everything is holistically. I feel like it, sometimes uh, when I tell people I'm in research, they 
automatically think like medical research or something in that area, but research spans all different areas and that, you know, just because I look at water and more of like, um, more of like the, uh, the, the resources available in farmers, that doesn't make it any less important than, you know, medical research or anything. So I want him to make sure that going into, you know, as raising him that he looks at the, the, the big picture as opposed to having these narrow focuses. So I, I agree with you. And I guess at the end of the day, we want them to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite thing about being a mom? I guess I, I love seeing him just grow and figure out things on his own. And, um, both like physically and mentally, like, um, he can switch on the lights now by himself. And he, that was such mm -hmm. a big thing. He was like, Oh, and, um, uh, but also he's, he has like a push bike. So yeah, kind of, um, but over the weekend he, um, moved up a level in his swim class because he actually swam by himself for the first time, like without any, you know, any ad additional, yeah, flotation or anything. So he swam and he was so proud of it. And that just made me feel really like proud. And it's, it's like little tiny things like that, that oh, yeah. I didn't think that would make me so, you know, emotional and be like, I'm just, just love that little guy. <laughs> How about you? What's your favorite thing about being a mom? Well, I'm, I'm with you, you know, I think being a mom is like a privilege um, and I enjoy also seeing my son growing up, exploring and absorbing the world. Um, and I, I think they are good teachers for us as mothers. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about myself while being a mom, <laughs> you know, in many aspects. I think when I see things overall, uh, being a mom is the most difficult thing I have ever done. <laughs> it's not the PhD, it's not the dissertation, it's not anything. It's just being a mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And now, as promised, Lisbeth sat down with her son, Alex, to talk about his relationship to the environment and some of his thoughts about how we can better protect the earth. This is Alex. Hello. You want to introduce yourself? Um, my name is Alex. I am seven years old. Seven years old. Sorry where, about that. Where do you live? Um, I do live in Ann, Ann Arbor, Michigan. By the way, um, and I live and um, even though I am separated with my two parents, um, I don't. I do go between houses, and I quite enjoy it. I am quite fine, and um, I think my mom here kind of wants to ask me some um, questions. So uh, let me pass it to her. <laughs> okay. So we were talking about the environment, yes. our air. Yes and climate change. Yes. What do you want to share, Alex? Quite much.
much about climate change that I've been thinking about in my mind pretty much like um like basically our basically on um, quite much if you're gonna ask this question I know it is um probably what is climate change imagine the world as the human body if we don't water it and feed it I mean in a way it will not um it'll just not keep standing and um or not live because um even even though if some people um even though if a couple of people just don't take care of it um it can put up a big world impact you got any more questions just talk about what do you think about the environment what can we do i think we should do is um, maybe um, stop relying on machines to do to do this and um, maybe start going maybe just start going more farmers less machines because um, um, the way um, we originally um, um, like before we even invented machines um, um, uh, mo most people say the food tasted way better. They did a better job, and there and there was less um like viruses that might come into the food, and um quite much um and for like global impacts like people littering all around, I think for our schools, me maybe you could try doing a school project or anything, or and um if you see litter, you should either um pick it up or or. Um, maybe, well, pretty much just pick it up and if there's any recycle bins or trash bins around, um, you should probably throw it in there to help the environment more and if you see anybody um, like throwing litter on the ground you might just go to them and say hey, um, could you please pick that up um, and I bet they will um, any other questions? What would be a good idea for the school? What type of project do you envision? that can be helpful to for kids to learn about maybe maybe like their teachers our can environment. yeah pretty much maybe like their teachers um can make up like and just tell the kids sincerely um like to maybe um if they um see like um some litter on the floor maybe they should clean it up um and um and um um, and if they see, like, plastic on the floor, they should put it in a recycling bin. Any other questions? What, what do you think we need to take care of our planet? Um, basically, ourselves, um, the soil, the planet, and the animals that are living in it, because, um, we, um, um, if we didn't take care of our pets, we wouldn't have any pets today. And, um, quite much, um, all types of living creatures, like, um, in the sea, we need to protect the sea. Mm -hmm. Um, some people now just throw a bunch of litter in it, like plastic mm -hmm. bags, and, and turtles think it's like jellyfish, and they eat it, and they can get really sick, or, or just get really sick, feel, um, get a bad cold, or just completely get wiped out. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? That is all for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed Val and Lizbeth's conversation and Alex. Alex, I have so many more questions for you, and you seem like such a cool little dude. I'm so glad he was part of our podcast today. If you enjoy this podcast, visit agentsofchangenej.org. 
And while you're there, click the donate button. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, and please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by Valerisa Jogatti and Lisbeth Iglesias Rios, edited by me with outreach, scheduling, and support from the rest of the team. Dr. Amizota, Dr. Yoshira Ornelas Vanhorn, Dr. Vina Singla, Dr. Max Ong, Dr. Loria Edwards, Samara Ahmad, and Maria Paula Rubiano. Our music is Now Sun by Pottington Bear. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to keep these important conversations on diversity in science and health going. Join us next time when I speak to fellow Dr. Candace Hunter, an environmental health officer in the U.S. Public Health Service stationed at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Have a great week, folks.